This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Joined shortly by Will, Tim, and Jeff. So we got a chance uh, this morning to record something. So we did that. And so uh, you'll get to hear that. And, and really, what I wanted to do was I wanted to frame the, did a little bit with Will last week, but I wanted to frame the whole MIG discussion, get Will's thoughts on that and Jeff's thoughts on that. We also take up a letter. I met Ken Kirkaby through Jeff. He's a friend of Jeff. And uh, Kirk's a smart guy. So we talked about a letter that he wrote to the Wall Street Journal. We talked about that. Um, <clears throat> we talked about a general level of discomfort when you have very anecdotal reporting and people drawing, drawing very pointed uh, conclusions from very anecdotal and broad uh, reporting um, how your spidey sense begins to tingle with yeah that's not a good thing to do so um, we talk about that and then kind of just the general situation in Ukraine v Russia and then the American position and all that Anyway, on that note, good morning to you. Welcome to the House of All Marine Radio. Um, yeah, so we'll do that today. And uh, I'm going to very do a, a cursory look at, at headlines real quick. And then we'll get to that. So, um, so good morning to you on this uh, on this Monday, the twenty first day of March. Yeah, almost to April. How about that? I have to tell you that uh, I watched baseball over the weekend, which made me happy. Um, yeah, got a chance to watch the Yankees lose yesterday live on TV. That made me happy. But, uh, yeah, so spring is uh, April, right around the corner, a little over a week away. So, uh, yeah, 
That's good. Um, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning to you. tell you that uh this is uh i don't know this is kind of an aspirational dedication and that aspiration would be that the people that are responsible to report news somehow or other in the midst of all of this find the courage to actually do that right um, the correspondents that are on your uh, that are on these stations, right? You've got to be able to differentiate your reporting from your commentary, okay? Because there's people. I mean, again, when you're dealing with a nation. Uh, that is led by a guy like Vladimir Putin, who's content to do what the world is watching him do. That's a, that's a ruthless guy in control of a lot of nuclear weapons. So dare I say the truth is really important? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is. So um, again, this is dedicated to those people that do that. Um yeah, think about what you're doing. And I know you're watching this human tragedy, but you got to be able to report and report the limitations of what you can see. And that has to be included in your reporting. So that there you go. To you editors who rack and who slice that shit up, right? Your job is to portray the truth, right? That's reporting. And then you can, you can do whatever commentary you want on it later. The reporting function, really, really important. So, again, aspirational. I know somebody's going to send me an email that says, Mac, come on, man. Enough of the Pollyanna bullshit. What this is about is clickbait, hits, driving revenue that drives advertising rates. I know, I know. Allow me to be Pollyanna-esque this morning on that note. <laughs> My dedication. <laughs>
say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <laughs> <clears throat> that's awesome <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. That's even better. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. We'll check the weather around Marineland. Currently uh, mostly sunny at 61 right now in Quantico. Gonna be a nice day on the East Coast. Sunny in 61 at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. Sunny at 56 in 29 Palms. Mostly sunny at 52 at Camp Pendleton. Camp H.M. Smith in Hawaii. Clear, dark, and 66. Okinawa, dark, cloudy, 71. Over to Darwin we go. That's in Australia for those of you who are challenged by uh, geography. Yeah, Darwin, Australia. Dark cloudy in 80. Yeah, and a hearty welcome home to Mike Marletta. Or welcome back to Kona's. Mike splits his time between Australia. He explains Australian shit to me. Yeah. Um, it is mostly sunny and 53 in Kiev. Right, and so we talk about the spring thaw. So it's there are eleven hours ahead of us. So it would be what seven o'clock at night. The high today in Kiev was fifty-five. Low overnight is thirty. 
So that is a look at your Ukrainian weather. We're currently at the home of Almarine Radio in the Costa Mesa Newport Beach area of Southern California. It is fair and 54 degrees. Looking for a high today of 70. 80 tomorrow, 82 on Wednesday, 78 on Thursday, and 75 on Friday. Boom! Spring has sprung. Yeah, how about that? That's awesome. So that is a look at your weather. Let me do uh, news headlines real quick, and then you'll hear the Mensa Brothers, which I know you're dying to hear. Um, Stop. But again, it is interesting to peruse the news. Um. The Marine Corps has identified four Marines that were killed in, uh, in an Osprey crash uh, in Norway, 2nd Marine Air Wing, um, operating up there, has been operating there for the last probably month or so. Uh, Captain Matthew J. Tomkowitz, Captain Ross A. Reynolds, both 27 years of age. Gunnery Sergeant James Speedy, Corporal Jacob Moore, right? Uh, Gunny Speedy, 30 years of age. Corporal Moore, 24 years of age. Uh, were all killed when their MV-22B Osprey crashed near the town of Bode, B-O-D-O-E, on Friday, according to a Marine Corps statement. Uh, the cause is still under investigation. There had been severe weather warnings in the region at the time. And, uh, quote, the pilots and crew were committed to accomplishing their mission and serving a cause greater than themselves. And that from the commanding general of the 2nd Marine Air Wing, Major General Michael Cederholm. Um, so that's the top headline in Stars and Stripes. Um, another interesting story about the Baltic nations and their perspective in all this. On NATO's vulner- vulnerable eastern edge, Baltic nations face high stakes in the Ukraine crisis. So, again, I think what's going to be interesting as this this thing continues to unfold in front of us is um, if you look at the big if you if you take the camera and you zoom out and you look at the Russian military effort right it's been essentially fought to a stalemate okay so what happens in the future right somehow the Ukrainian military collapse I'm I don't think that's going to happen if I were were I a betting man um, I think what I would bet on is uh, you will see more of the same. And Russian casualties will continue to increase. Their ability to resupply themselves is going to be problematic at best. So how do they limp out of? How do they negotiate something where they can get their military out of Ukraine? Because they're not going to get there. And essentially, I mean, our our analysis, I mean, from the start is, yeah, they're going to be able to get to the cities, some of them. But they don't have the troops to go into there and do, you know, and to conquer them. And so what they're going to do is, is what they've done, which is blast the shit out of them and try to pound 
cities into submission. Well, the Ukrainians don't seem to be playing that game. Um, from the Wall Street Journal top headline, Ukraine rejects Ru Russian ultimatum on embattled Maripol. Fighting reaches city streets. Ukraine says art school where hundreds were sheltering was hit by a bomb. Uh, latest updates from the Wall Street Journal. And then underneath that, the top headline says number of refugees fleeing Ukraine approaches 3.5 million. million. Next headline in the Wall Street Journal. Russia failing to achieve early victory in Ukraine is shifting to Plan B. So that kind of an interesting little read. Um, another headline. Agriculture giant stay in Russia despite calls to exit over Ukraine war. And then one more. U.S. military strategy juggles Russia concerns China threat. So... Uh, New York Times top headlines, U Ukraine refuses Russia's demand to surrender the port city of Maripol. And again, typical of the reporting, Russian strike reduces Kiev Mall to ruins. Um, another headline, President Biden plans to travel to Europe in a diplomatic push against Russia. And then one of the unique things that, you know, people are seeing through all of this is it plays out live on, on TV, right? Headline, Russian forces stormed an apartment complex near Kiev, held residents hostage. Some of it was caught on camera. So the world's seeing this, right? So, Washington Post, top headlines. Senate opens hearings for historic nominee. And this is Judge Jackson. Okay. Uh, then subheadlines, Ukraine rejects call to surrender Maripol. Next headline, signed up to fight in Ukraine. Some foreigners wait in frustration for guns, helmets, and action. So those are from the top journals of America, uh, the, pop, the top newspapers of America. From uh, top story in Marine Corps Times is the story um, about the four Marines that were killed in the Osprey crash in Norway that belonged to 2nd Marine Air Wing. Uh, next story is DOD overhauls its body composition and fitness policy. Now, I would be curious, right? Every time we hear they're not lowering the standards, what do they do? They lower them. The Defense Department updated its physical fitness and body composition program guidelines on March 10th. The changes open the door for each military branch to revamp their own policies if they so choose a move that the services have been consistently working towards in recent years. The latest DOD instruction, 1308.03, which comes on the heels of ongoing studies from the Marine Corps and the Army, eliminated much of the department's restrictive language originally featured in the program. The update generalizes its goals to allow branches to tailor their guidelines to the needs of their service members and missions as much as possible. Yeah. 
Okay. There you have it. Green lighted. Lower the standard. Congratulations. And then stand up and testify that you're not doing it. It's it's a beautiful thing. Top five stores in early bird, most of them are not um, related. They've broken out operations separate from uh, the headlines relative to um, Ukraine v. Russia. So number one story, four Marines killed in a Norway Osprey crash have been identified. Next story, U.S. to send Army contingent to Bulgaria as part of NATO battle group. So again, NATO strengthening its eastern flank. Next headline, U.S. troops will likely be in Iraq for years to come, according to Central Command's boss. General McKenzie gave a kind of wide-ranging article, and you're seeing, you know, bits of it all over the place. That's one of the things. Uh, Next headline, Marine Corps ends all three of its crisis response deployments. The final deployment as part of Special Purpose MAGTAF Crisis Response Central Command ended in October of 2021. So that will not be backfilled. So again, Special Purpose MAGTAFs get get developed and deployed to different combatant commands. And so Marine Corps right now out of that business. And the top, the fifth story in, in the top five is Navy pilots flying dozens of daily Russian deterrence missions from the USS Harry S. Truman. So, again, must be interesting business going on out there. So the Truman, this is a USNI news report, right, uh, is in the Ionian Sea, right? Been there for the longest stretch that any carrier has been in decades okay so the ionian sea you can look it up right ionia where would that be hmm that would be in in the vicinity of greece yes for those of you who have any sense of history you would be correct all right for those of you who have no sense of history right you would have no idea right and we hey we do not hate you for that. So the Ionian Sea is um, body of water between Italy, southern Italy, and Greece. That is the Ionian Sea. And if as you go further north, right, and you could get uh let me just tell you, if I would have had Google Earth when I was a kid, oh, my God, I would have learned so much more. Yeah, seriously. All you got to do is you just pull up this program and you, the world spins and you get to see, like, everything you want to see. So the Ionian Sea. Now, as you go further north, I think, what do you run into? The Adriatic? Yeah. And the Adriatic would get you towards northern Italy, and then across from northern Italy would be Croatia, Slovenia, right? Bosnia and Herzegovina, 
right? Albania would be kind of towards the southern end of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so as you get to the north of the Adriatic, right, you get to, um, right, northern Italy. Austria is just a stone's throw away further to the north. And then Germany, Germany. So anyway, you can see why they're operating there. Um, so that is the news. And then uh, let me just do real quick um, operations. Um, it's interesting, right, how far the world has come. Um, the number one story is this headline, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a list of key events for, from day 26. And you know who's put one of the best daily sheets that I've seen out? Al Jazeera. Yeah. Their map's a pretty decent map. And they go through broad sections of diplomacy, and re refugees, and latest developments. Yeah. So you should check it out. Yeah. Um, next. Biden to travel to Poland to discuss Ukraine crisis with Duda. Russia accused of bombing a Ukrainian shelter and kidnapping citizens. Ukraine defies Russian demand to lay down its arms in Maripol. North Korea fires artillery into the sea days after a missile launch. And then a story that made the rounds yesterday is China has fully militarized the islands of the South China Sea, and that is according to the Indo-PACOM commander. So a story written by Jim Gomez in conjunction with the Associated Press and Aaron Favela, right? Um, U.S. Indo-PACOM commander, Admiral John C. Aquino, said... The hostile actions were in stark contrast to President Xi Jinping's past assurances that Beijing would not transform the artificial islands into contested in the contested waters into military bases. Quote, I think over the past 20 years, we've witnessed the largest military buildup since World War II by the PRC. They have advanced all their capabilities and that buildup of weaponization is destabilizing in the region. Aquino spoke with the Associated Press on board a U.S. Navy reconnaissance aircraft that flew near the Chinese-held outpost in the South China Sea, Spratly Islands, one of the most hotly contested regions in the world. They were aboard a P-8A Poseidon plane that was repeatedly warned by Chinese college that it illegally entered into what they said was China's territory and ordered the plane to move away. So anyway, chronicles their little discussion. So anyway, that's a quick roundup of news headlines. And uh, so now, uh, without further ado, uh, this is the... Mensa Brothers, hold on, let me tee this up appropriately, um, which means I have to shut yesterday's broadcast off, or the one I played over the weekend. So, um, and, and again, pretty interesting discussion as I, I, 
I really wanted to paint the whole issue about the MIGs and aid and 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 get all three of them to wade in to if, were you the were you the Ukrainians what would you want if you were the Ukrainian Minister of Defense what would you want so without further ado here are the Mensa brothers uh, it's been a few days because I've been uh, I was busy on Friday but uh, my friends well guys I know from a long time uh, joined me this morning. I don't want to use the term friends lest I offend somebody. But uh, from, uh, I don't know where Jeff is. He's been kind of traveling a bit. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> from La- from the Eastern White House in Las Vegas, Jeff Kenny joins me. Jeffrey, how are you? Good. I'm here in Vegas. I got two guys, my, my doc, who retired as a chief, and, and uh, one of my other Marines, my gun guy. They're both staying here with us in Vegas. We retired a guy a couple days ago. Great guy named Lieutenant Colonel John Bywood. The um, so I'm here in Vegas. All right. So Jeff in Vegas. How'd the retirement go? It was very good. It was an uplifting event for all concerned. Wow. I like that. Um, the only th- bad thing was we lost Johnny because he's went home, you know? What's he going to do? Uh, I don't know. I think he's going to get, he's going to live in Vegas. So we'll be neighbors, and hopefully he can help. His wife will help convince my wife to let me stop working, so I can just sit around on my ass and do nothing. But uh, that's yeah, not what him to be. Yeah, <laughs> I'll right. just uh, yeah. So you know, so that's the that's it went well. It was good. All right, joining from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you? Doing great, Mac. Thanks for asking. All right. Anything exciting going on in McAllen that we need to know about? Apparently, we are turning away Russian citizens from the border down here. Everybody else gets to come through, but not the Russian citizens. And uh, we're standing by for the end of uh, the Trump law that that required uh, asylum seekers to seek asylum on the other side of the border. That's going to end soon, and we're getting inundated with federales to uh, manage the what they perceive to be a gigantic, bigger flood coming across the border. Okay. Uh, Ukrainian people are welcome here in McAllen, by the way. But not How are, uh, how's the bird watching? How are the kettles? The kettles are getting ready to head north, my friend. They are doing the last bit of their de- deprivations on the on the morning dove and parakeet uh, young, but they are thinning out and heading north. And I'm afraid, and we're getting a lot of uh, parakeets are back, the green parrots are back, the chuckaluckas. So a lot of our tropical birds are moving into the area. But my, my, Rebecca and I were sitting on a back porch and, and I was just with a pair of binoculars casually looking. We counted 12 different species of birds just in our backyard. I don't, I don't think there's many places that are like that as far as variety of bird wildlife. So this is a UV Sledge's dream vacation spot right here. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? 12 yeah, different species. And you knew about them and counted them. That's interesting. So... Well, I had a book. I have a book. I'm cheating, but you know that's how you do it. It's kind of a bird, a bird spotter book. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Wow. How thick is it? Is it a thick book? No, it's very thin. It's just it's it's for the Rio Grande Valley only. Oh. And it doesn't. It's not comprehensive. Do you call, uh, what just, do you call the Rio Grande Valley? RGV? Something like that. RGV. Uh, is that what the either, cool guys say? Do you guys have a gang sign? RGV. No, so, no, so, no gang sign. No okay. gang sign. It's it's either the Valley or RGV. Most people call it the Valley. Got it. All right. Yeah. Spe- speaking of the valley, Will Costantini joins us. Will, how are you? Well, we're not your friends anymore. 
unbelievable. <laughs> I don't want to offend you of all people. If I included you my my friend, I'm, you know oh, you would have sure said, you would have said, well, who the fuck told you that I was your you're friend? You're so bro? you're so worried about offending me. I, yeah. Actually, you know it's just a fucking setup, okay? There's something yeah. coming later for you, right? That'll make you. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. I'm how's your I'm refrigerator? Good, except- you got a new refrigerator. I did get a new refrigerator, which is wonderful, except my old refrigerator had a little function on it where you could set how much water would come out in the dispenser, and I began to rely on that. And so now I have to use a measuring cup. So the new refrigerator is not as modern as the old refrigerator, but it does refrigerate, which is key. What do you mean measuring cup? You can't eye-fuck it? Hey, when you're making your uh, steel-cut oatmeal as a retiree every morning, you want to make sure you got precision. That's Trust a precision me. event. Yeah. And just for everybody, what so that you know what I fuck means? That means you're like using your your, your calibrated eyeball, right, to make a precision. Okay, yeah. yeah, to make a precision decision. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, you know, again, one of those terms in the Marine Corps that you hear and you're like, the first time you hear it, you're like, what'd they say? Yeah. I fuck it. Oh, okay. So anyway. Hey, one of my wife's favorite terms is rat fuck. She says, how do you put those two words together to mean that? Said, I don't know. It's the lore of our great Marine Corps. He loved that term. So Well, yeah. and if you've ever seen anything rat fucked, you unless it unless you own it, right? You would it, it is normally a sight to behold. Holy shit. Um, so how are things in uh, you want to give us a weather update? You seem to be as Tim is enamored with birds, you seem to be enamored by Midwestern weather. Uh, yesterday was definitely a spring day. Highs in the seventies. I got a wicked case of hay fever, so something is is pollinating around here. Um, I noticed you dabbing your uh, eyes and your nose with a some kind of device. Looks yeah, like, looks white. It's called a it? paper towel. Yeah. Well, paper do you not towel. do you not have a you don't have a handkerchief? Retired Italian guys always have handkerchief. uh, handkerchiefs. And when handkerchiefs. And when they blow their nose, right? Sirens go off in like seven counties. That's how that's how the Italian nose blowing works. Yeah, think well, Al, Pacino, Al Pacino and the Godfather. Yeah, he got and old face. Jewish men too. Same thing. I don't know why Jewish men and Italian men when they fire up the tuba when they blow their nose, it is that way. But it is that way. I've been hitting mute. Um, by the way, we we actually figured out that you don't carry a handkerchief anymore. You just reinfect yourself. Unfortunately, the rest of the population didn't figure out, and they've been wearing dirty diapers and pieces of paper on their face for the last couple of years and wondering exactly why COVID right. would never go away. But stupid, those stupid. of us in the know, we know. So, you know, you left out a couple of terms. There's Joe shit the rag man. <laughs> There's Joe bag of donuts. There's we should dick your mouth. <laughs> There's a million of them. Broke dick. What? Um, Broke dick the most. Yeah. <laughs> the um. What is your favorite? What is the term that you used most from Marine Corps lore? Hmm. I think j- broke dick. Broke dick. Raggedy ass broke dick. Like for I, instance, I think my, the term I use the most is unfuck. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that that is so seeped in i don't even attribute that to marine corps lore unless i think about it it's just a, such a part of my my vocabulary will the one the one term you use from marine corps lore? yeah you know that one that that one really gets people's attention 
Um, <laughs> and it's funny when you're, you know, you're out here with the, uh, with the generic uh, Midwesterner, blah, blah, blah. And you say something like that. It really, it, you get a snap of the eyeballs uh, with that. <laughs> so, so because but, they, they can sort of figure it out. They yeah. can't especially figure out rat fuck or like whatever. Yeah. But especially that one, yeah, that's a good one. Say in church, they really. <laughs> yeah, they'll get you escorted to the door. So, Will, is there one that you use on a on a regular basis? Tim's looking yeah, something huh? up. So he's if Tim, if you go podcast expert on me, I will fucking crush you this morning. Okay. <laughs> I can see you fucking with the blue on your glasses looking up something on the internet. So what the fuck? Will? Uh yeah, I don't know. That I mean, I think unfuck is a good one. I don't I don't I can't think of anything else. Kettleman? If you get... Yeah. Kettleman, that's you. Oh, rat fuck. Uh, that was uh, that definitely is probably the most frequently one I, I remember using. Right. Even today, yeah. though, we're talking about today. Is there a term you use now? Oh, I, I would say rat fuck. Yeah, I, I still use that term. It's a, it's a multi-purpose term. I mean, it, it, it's applicable to many, many situations. Yeah, as many of these terms are, as many of yeah. these t- terms are. All right. <clears throat> You want to give us the once around uh, the world to me? Let, let me just let me just give everybody just kind of a general warning. Um, I think you would you could say that, um, and and we encounter this doing open source stuff, right? That you try to separate what you, you what you truly believe to be fact from emotional bias and emotional reporting, and things that are designed to you know get people to click on them, and it gets more and more. Uh, difficult to do that as the world embraces a certain narrative to look for things that, you know, what we would consider things that we would discuss and things that you should know and whatnot. So I think there's, for all of us, there's a fair concern about um, always the the reporting that we see, uh, the trends that we see and whatnot. So I would tell you that if you want to uh, if you would, if you would uh, listen to our discussions, our texts, and things like that, you would see that there is a general concern for the quality of the stuff that we see, the pandering to clicks, and um, and again, just that that concern as you try to as you attempt to discern what is actually true in this war between Russia and Ukraine. So, with that said. Okay, so uh, right now we're looking at a count of 10 million people have left their homes and are on the move evacuating from the from Ukraine. So that's a sizable humanitarian disaster. We uh, there's concerns expressed over the weekend again that the the lack of Russian fertilizer is going to be a serious problem for a very for a many of the countries around the world that depend on that fertilizer for their for their annual crop yield. There is also concerns that this Russian attacks are endangering Ukraine's world-leading medicinal chemistry industry. And I found this interesting. This industry is a direct result of the Soviet Union. Apparently when that fell, there was a collection of novel molecules that Soviet scientists had been working with unknown to the West. These scientists were smart enough to band into a company called Enamine, and uh, what they do is they are able to manipulate uh, molecules for bio- against biological targets for pharmaceutical companies 
and they provide building blocks that are customized, et cetera. All very, very complex stuff. I, I was not aware there was a, a, such a, a industry, but apparently Ukraine is the world's leader in that. And this is uh, the article I was reading said they have been able to successfully disperse themselves out of Ukraine into surrounding countries. But that's just an interesting tidbit. There is more back and forth with the U.S. accusing the Russians of preparing to use chemical weapons and the Russians accusing the U.S. of funding biowarfare labs in the Ukraine. I read an in-depth article on that in the Wall Street Journal, which started with a story of then-Senator Obama visiting the Ukraine and coming into a laboratory in which there were vials of anthrax and other kinds of dangerous uh, 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 um, material. Now. A vial of anthrax in, in a veterinary a research laboratory is not the same as weaponized anthrax, which has been milled down to one to two microns, the exact same size as a COVID-19 particle, making that making it impossible to defend against. So so that's the first thing to know about that story. It wasn't like he was saw weaponized anthrax, but what they were describing were a series of research facilities that had dangerous pathogens or whatnot that were unsecured an American program to secure these these things, which makes perfect sense. We did the same thing in Russia up until 1999. What doesn't make sense is what the hell we're doing there now, when that's something which could have been figured out in about a year's worth of time. So that's one of these weird stories. I don't know what those labs are. Um, I can understand why we initially went into them to secure stuff like uh, like anthrax. I mean, it's kind of funny because I was out in Dugway working with what I thought was attenuated weaponized anthrax, which turned out not to be attenuated. They discovered in the 2000s. But that was the kind of thing they were trying to prevent in the Ukraine. And so um, um, I, I don't know what the status of those things are now. And I don't know what's prompting up Americans to keep on warning of possible chemical attack. Let's hope that's, that's not the, the case. Over the weekend, uh, President Zelensky has been hassling the Israelis about why they haven't joined in with the sanctions, although I believe the Israelis are going to start complying with some of the sanctions. Unfortunately, President Zelensky made uh, an effort to, to say that the Ukrainians were on the side of the Jews 80 years ago. They made the right choice. It's time for Israeli to pay that back. Historically, not that accurate. It's, it's irrefutable right. that the Ukrainian leadership and most of the general populace absolutely collaborated with the Nazis against the Jews, which only makes sense if you understood what the Jews and the Russians had done to them in that Morador Holocaust in the 1930s. So that's tit for tat shit. That's, well, that, yeah, that, the, that, yeah. I mean, go ahead. Jews, the Jews didn't have any power under Stalin. I mean, they didn't do it. It was Stalin who did it. No, I, yeah, no, I, 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 you're right. You're right. I do believe that the antipathy was towards uh, uh, those that had helped facilitate that. But I'm not aware of it. I mean, I don't know. At, at any rate, that was historically not accurate. And this is just kind of the tit the tat that we're seeing that that is it's it's an it's annoying to see, but uh, it helps you understand that you're dealing with a gigantic propaganda effort. Um, also, uh, out of, of of our concern, the uh, the Russia's deputy commander apparently was killed uh, in action and around Sevastopol. That that's interesting to see. Um, Hold on, the deputy commander of the Black Sea Fleet, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Black Sea Fleet. Yeah, killed uh, killed near um, Marpol. That that's interesting. I don't know more anything. More yeah, you know, I saw that. a picture of him. He seemed to be on the same PT program as H. M. Smith. 
right? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the PT program is once you reach the flag or general officer status of, of, of Russia. But just in the in the pictures I've seen, it seems to be like a very traditional Marine Corps program that goes back to World War II. Um, so anyway, I thought I would throw that. Yeah, 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 that yeah. Program isn't he? Who? That was exactly what I was going to say. Senator he looked Millie. like Millie. Yeah. Yeah, obese four stars. You hate to see him. Um, <laughs> you just do. It's bad for morale. It's just bad for morale. I'm sorry. I've got to say that. Now, Wall Street Journal, three editorials. Hey, Jim Smith weekend. was a three star. Sure. Nice. There you go. Well, he looked like that as a three star. There you go. It's it's called uh, it's called fat creep at the geo level. Uh, Look, we could accept our four stars being fat. All right. When it gets to the three-star level, that guy's supposed to be in the field. No, okay. no, no, yeah. That's how, not, old that's was he, how old was Gerald Smith in the 40s? He looks like he's 75 years old. No, he was only like 50. Huh? He's in his early 60s, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't that old. He was So he's at our old. age? We he's our age, yeah. We don't, yeah. Look, we don't look like that. No, no I, we, we look I mean, maybe models. first thing in the morning, yeah. but I mean. We, Things were rough in those days. <laughs> <laughs> Life was rough. Everybody looks fucking old. Everybody. Yeah. Cigarettes, fucking... cigarettes, booze, and the depression. Yeah, well, th that's that's three three risk factors right there. Yeah. yeah. Cigarettes and whiskey and wild wild women. They will drive you yeah. crazy. They'll drive you insane. Not so well, not so wild women though. But they did drive <laughs> them insane. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, now and and. There's a lot of stuff in our, in our press, the, the for and against, the the the, um, the people that are pointing out that Russia's got some legitimate complaints, as opposed to the people who are saying that you know that uh, we should be all in for Ukraine because it's interesting the divergence of opinion. Now, in the midst of this, Wall Street Journal, Saturday editorial, NATO should be in Western Ukraine. Sunday editorial, West does not should not go wobbly into Ukraine. Today editorial. Russian withdrawal isn't enough. We demand the end of Putin. Okay, hold Very on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So those are all, all in the editorial pages. Editorial who, page, Wall okay, Street Journal. Okay, who, who writes them? Is it the editorial no, it's board? No, the editorial page. The editorial yeah, the board, board write all, right. wrote all three, right. all with, three. All, with very different viewpoints? No, no. They're all of them pressing forward more involvement in, what, in the Ukraine. They're absolutely saying we should be in there actively assisting and that once Russia withdraws, that's not enough. We've got we demand the the, oh, end of yeah. the Putin regime. That's so a disastrous fucking thing. Yeah, and I just I just I wanted to point that out. I'm not going to go back to my constant uh, warning about about uh, uh, us getting involved or whatnot. But I spent a little time, thanks to Joshua um, uh, uh, Trevino, who's a writer who I Substack I I I get. Uh, with with the Herman Cain and his escalation dominance theory of nuclear warfare, and I just think that's something that's that's interesting to think about as we as we chop through as we chew through what we're doing, how we're responding, because it's it's the only framework with which I've seen with which we can try to put uh, our our responses to Russia, are are with the goal should be of maintaining escalation dominance along this 47 framework ladder that he had that he had written about in 1962 uh, in in the book in the book um uh on thermal, on nuclear war so right. this is i just wanted to mention that i put that framework in the notes if you want to click over and look at them the escalation ladder and i just might reference that as we continue to talk but i'm pretty much done with the uh okay. with the important news all right let me yeah, just you know me... 
Hold on, no, hold on, hold on, Jeffrey. Let me let let's okay. get through this and then we'll begin a discussion. Um, real quickly, operational stuff. Um, day twenty six of the invasion, Ukraine has rejected Russian demands to surrender the city of Maripol. Uh, heavy fighting taking place in the city center of Maripol continues. Uh, Russian troops are trying to bring artillery to within range of central Kiev. Ukrainian forces are holding on to Kharkiv and repel and advance into the southern part of the city. And Russian naval forces remain off the coast of Odessa, right, in the Black, in the Black Sea. Um, from the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency of, of, uh, of let's see, this is a... Uh, this is Ukrainian, so take it for what it's worth. Heavy fighting continues north of Kiev. North of Kiev, Russian forces advancing on the city from the north and the east have stalled. So if you think of Kiev, there's two efforts, right? Once in the northwest and once in the east-northeast. Forces advancing from the direction of Hostomel to the northwest have been repulsed by fierce Ukrainian resistance. The bulk of Russian forces remain more than 25 kilometers from the center of the city uh, despite the continued lack of progress kiev remains russia's primary military objective and they will likely they are likely to prioritize attempting to encircle the city over the coming weeks <clears throat> um president biden is going to talk to um his counterparts from france germany and italy and uh, britain today uh, he will travel to Brussels on Wednesday to meet with NATO and European leaders and then head to Poland on Friday. Um, the United States has said it opposes Poland's proposal for a NATO peacekeeping mission. Uh, then Timmy's report, uh, the Russian Black Sea Fleet um, deputy commander died in combat in Maripol, according to the governor of Sevastopol. And... Uh, <clears throat> President Zelensky called for renewed peace talks with Russia despite few signs of progress over the four days of negotiations last week. And then, uh, you know, I kind of look uh, for aggregators um, that I believe are, are, are good. Um, and again, the, uh, what, the Institute for the Study, the Institute for the Study of War, ISW, they do some pretty good stuff. They have not issued anything as of this morning. Uh, I'll read you a couple bullets from the last thing they put out, which is on the 18th. Um, uh, and that is uh, fighting it, it has neared the center of Maripol. Uh, Ukraine disputes some of the successes that Russia has been having in the northern Donbass region, claiming different towns that the Russians claim to have taken, you know, have not been taken. Um, Ukraine has also claimed to have expanded its own counteroffensive in the vicinity of Kherson, and there are reports that they've either been finding or targeting villages close to the city of Kherson itself, um, and also claiming local success around Kiev. Um, if you look at the if you look at the the map, and again, and this is again, if you dial up the squelch and you look at the map, uh, the map is not moving so much. Okay. Right. And so that is the thing to focus on is that the map seems to be fairly static. And so, you know, we can we can talk about, I mean, hard to assess a culminating point. But when right. you've been at war for, for, you know, the better part of a month and this is what you've got. And um, and now, again, if you if you believe 
you know, sources and, and announcement by different governments, you have a, a, a pretty substantial resupply effort by uh, the NATO allies into, through Poland into Ukraine, and you have Russia with extended lines of communication. That's not the easiest problem to solve, and it's happening all in the midst of the spring thaw. So, uh, again, those are the operational headlines for this morning. And so, William? Yeah. On the economic side, one thing, oil is up uh, like 4 or 5% this morning to about 110. Um, dug into it quite a bit in the financial press over the weekend. And uh, and there are some big players out there that are are – say recession signs are flashing bright red in Europe and likely in the U.S. Uh, and, you know, I saw a headline that says uh, U.S. fracking increases dramatically uh, in March. And so uh, then you looked at the number. So the U.S. is producing whatever, 10, 11 million barrels a day of oil. And this <clears throat> dramatic increase was like 140,000 barrels a day. Um, so right in the, the data of the, uh, of the news article, they refute their headline. Um, so there's not a lot of oil that's going to come online. And then you've seen, uh, from the UN secretary general to the Sierra club to everyone else saying that the solution is not, um, to drill more oil. It's to go to electric cars. Um, so goofiness. Uh, a couple of other things. Item one, H.M. Smith was born in 1882, so he was 60, basically, when World War II started. Thank so you, he looks, he looks 60. Um, and I got into this casualty thing again. So here's what I thought was amusing, entertaining, I'm not sure what. The Ukrainian MOD says 14,000 Russians killed in action, 450 tanks, 1,400 uh, fighting vehicles, 200 artillery pieces. So they say they've basically destroyed two-plus divisions worth of Russian vehicles and killed 50% of the fighting troops in two divisions, basically. Um, the New York Times... Uh, in an article in the Washington Examiner, the, New, the Examiner quotes the New York Times, who quotes a U.S. defense official saying that 7,000 Russians have been killed in action. So we go 14,000 to 7,000. Well, apparently, Lieutenant General Barrier, who is in charge of the Defense Intelligence Agency, was testifying in Congress last week. And he says two to 4,000 Russians have been killed in action, and they have low confidence in their estimate. Mm -hmm. That was all in the same article. Yeah. So that tells you where the press is. They have well, no fucking idea. And then I would say I, just on the propaganda front, um, I was sitting in a restaurant last night for about 30 minutes, and they had CNN on. And I haven't watched CNN. I have not. Uh, by choice, watch CNN in more than 25 years. Um, so I wasn't watching it there, but it was in the corner of my eye. And for 30 straight minutes, they had Ukraine on. Um, that's interesting to me. 
because the last data point is I was in a used bookstore on Sunday afternoon, and this used bookstore is staffed by people um, with multiple facial piercings, all of them still wearing masks. So that tells you where on the political spectrum they exist. And they had uh, a little donation box on the front for the families of those Ukrainians affected by the war. So the, the narrative has been driven deep into certain parts of the American body politic. Um, but I, again, there's no, just the one article, Ukraine MOD 14K, New York Times quoting a defense official 7K, an actual US defense official who ought to be in the know testifying under oath says two to four K, you know, it's weird with low confidence, low confidence. So, Oh, and the UN high commissioner for human rights says 726 civilians. So if the Russians are fighting in the cities, bombing the cities and have lost 14,000 troops and only killed 726 civilians, it's all in the same article. And just bizarre. You would think that someone as an editor would slap that reporter around, but that's not what it is. There is a narrative. I don't know why, but there is. <clears throat> there, there always is a narrative, huh? And that, the casualty things are the most commonly, uh, you know, slandered and, and uh, exaggerated things. According to the U.S. reporting in late 1967, we had wiped out the North Vietnamese Army. If you counted up all the KIAs reported... Uh, you know, in, yeah, uh, and, in, by in 19, and by 1970, and then 1968, we wiped it out a couple offenses. times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, that's common for for stuff. You know, I get a pretty good rundown from this guy who's in an NGO, but it's always caveated with this is subject to inaccurate reporting. You know, like the it seems though that the uh, the Mariupol is a is a pretty hotly contested fight down there on the coast, and uh, but uh, there's a lot of you know. Like, there's another Ukrainian report, and it's kind of like uh, supported a little bit by U.S. estimates that the Russians and Will has talked about this. The Russians are running out of uh, they're running out of troops, and the troops needed to do what they supposedly want to do, you know, basically occupy Ukraine, is uh, you know it's prohibitive for them. It's in the seven hundred thousand range, so. It appears that the Russians are going to ground in the defense, holding on to the meager gains that they've got, the rim of stuff, you know. At the same time, you have Zelensky making noises about, uh, you know, I'm going to be neutral, I'm not going to join NATO, and and so forth. So it seems now like they're in the 1953 Korea phase where they're just jockeying for territory before they start talking. But uh, the the other thing that could be, though, is that – I think that the Russians are trying to make it look like we may just have to use WMD, either chemical weapons or even nukes. And they want to make the Ukrainians believe that so that they, they're more uh, amenable to doing things that they might want, like getting rid of Yelinsky or something like that. But I don't really think that that's uh, you know, viable. The, the, the Russians you know, say things like, uh, you know, uh, they make threats that uh, aren't borne out by their performance. 
Okay, we're going to hold people responsible for supplying our, you know, the people in Ukraine. So what? You guys can't fight. <laughs> you're going to, you're supposed to, and the plan was to, to totally invest Kiev within three days. They're not really even close to that now. So it's like uh, the only threat they really have is how scared are people that they're going to go to the nuke button or even maybe, you know, the uh, NBC, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, biological chemical weapons thing. So I think that's where we're at right now. And I think eventually they're going to, they're already starting to talk. I think they've been talking all through this thing. Turns out that maybe we, we had the wrong view of this. Maybe it wasn't this Russian behemoth, this heroic little, you know, Russian Goliath and a little David. Maybe they're a little bit closer to, to uh, you know, to each other than uh than we thought. Apparently so. But no, but nobody, nobody, pretty good. But nobody would have assessed that at the start, right? I, I mean, I no, because I, no one get, right. wasn't a, a thing of interest. I mean, well, e- even became, even to those that it that it was, I think Jeff, I think most yeah. of them are surprised at at yeah. the level of competence. And again, I think you could credit, you know, where is the truth? So, probably someplace in the middle. You're the, right. The You're level right, the man. level of competence of the Ukrainian military and and their yeah. and their willingness to fight. The Russian lack of comp- confidence, and and as and, and then when they're not lack of confidence, but their their lack of fighting ability. Jeff made the comment like, you know, Putin is trying to act like Hitler, but he doesn't have the Wehrmacht, right? He's yeah. got his army, and they, they're they're uh, if you want to call them average to below average. If you're getting fought to a stalemate by a force that's vastly inferior numerically to you. Um, that's not a good thing for you. And uh, so I I think the truth lies probably a little bit in between on both sides. Yeah. Well, it's like a military expert and, uh, you know, the leading authority uh, on military affairs and white rage, General Milley, said this whole thing was going to be over in three days. And, uh, you know, they're totally wrong on all this. And uh, so I I just, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to, a good report you can rely on, you know, right. and even with uh, everybody's using IO, even our own people, even news agencies now, they look, instead of just reporting what facts they can glean, there's like, well, what narrative do we want to support? And that shouldn't be part of uh, newspapers or, you know, or, uh, you know, journalism at all. It should just be what, how close to the truth you can get so people can make accurate assumptions. Instead, it's always, what because if if the news if the event doesn't support the narrative it doesn't get reported right at least right. it doesn't get reported accurately right. So. Right. and timmy will um what's broken squelch for you uh, will you talked about uh, your experience in the bookstore but general observations and then what i want to do is i want i want to give you guys the list and give you a chance to comment on you know uh aid to uh ukraine uh, much has been made about the MIG, but if I gave you a list that included uh, more additional drones, uh, the S three hundred anti air system, uh, more stingers, more stingers javelin slash javelins, uh, counter battery radar and MIGs, I want you, you know, Tim and Jeff, to 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 prioritize those things vertically. If you were the MOD of Ukraine, what would you want first? So again, Timmy, general comment on anything that's broken squelched you overall as you've watched this thing over the weekend? 
Yeah, this intense fighting in Maripol, that's well inside of the Russian-speaking region of the Ukraine, according to my little color-coded maps that I've, I just pulled up. And it's just fascinating because, remember, they were going to denazify the Ukraine and protect the Russian-speaking population from all the abuse that they uh, have not been receiving, apparently. It's just interesting that the Russian-speaking areas of the Ukraine are putting up this stiff of a fight. It, it, and who would have thought that? based on the 2014 experience. When when he went rolling in there in 2014, the, the Ukrainian army melted away without firing a shot. And I have no idea how how many people realized that this time around it was gonna be different. And certainly the Ukrainians did, and, and that and that's good. So that 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 broke squelch for me. Um, well, you know, and I'm, to me, what's fascinating about that is the footnotes that go with that. How did the Ukrainian military do this? How did they how did they prepare you know their 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 soldiers for this? Uh -huh. You know, uh you know you see one of the most effective drones that they have is a Ukrainian drone that they produced that that they had guys who who had uh soft experience and they designed it and and manufactured this thing. And so well, the, uh very I, I think the footnotes on that story are, are going to be extremely but, interesting but here, to to find out about. Here are some other footnotes about just Ukraine. You know, I didn't have a chance to comment last week because I missed you guys after after Zelensky's address to Congress, which which was a, a good address. I mean, he's he he is obviously representing his people and whatnot. But if you look back in history, our our involvement in the Ukraine, starting with this color revolution, which Victoria Nyland was was a part of, and when she made that famous quote about "fuck the EU," which was leaked. And the EU got upset, but the story in the narrative became Russian disinformation. The Russians leaked this call. This is the Russians trying to basically hold on in the Ukraine kind of stuff. And so this this thing happens. We have this another one of these color revolutions. We put in a charismatic leader uh, uh, this time around, the one that Newland had had talked about and specifically selected. Ambassador to Russia at this time, by the way, is Burns, the current CIA director. So, so there's a lot of people that are in play now that were in play back then, but as a result, we get from the Ukraine, we get oligarchs, we get, we get, I don't know what the Biden boy was in there getting money for. Ukraine is the number one donor to the Clinton Global Foundation at $10 million, and it's the biggest surrogate mother factory in Europe because it's the poorest country in Europe. So it doesn't appear like the cover revolution did anything but in rich this is this is putin's point enrich the oligarchs and at the same time allow americans to come in there and start to, um fingering around and getting and extracting wealth that is not going to the ukrainian people that that is the narrative but that's, that but that's typical is, third world shit, right but is, we look at ukraine as uncomfortable as opulent Right. Yeah. It's just I mean, you look at the cities. Uh, I mean, they look like big cities. You you don't think of them as a third world country. No. And they got smart people. Look, they've got this, those genetic modified uh, pharmaceutical industry going. They've got a lot of things that got drone guys. They've got <clears> computer <throat> geeks out at out, out the yin yang. But this whole narrative, I mean, I am not in any way saying I'm not supporting the Ukraine people in this fight. I, I am. They're the they're the they're the victims. But our involvement in this goddamn thing makes me a little bit queasy, which gets us into this escalation ladder towards the nuke thing, because that's where we're at. And unfortunately, although we fought for 20 years, the Marine Corps did, and when, when the Americans were at peace, we're not fighting now. 
but we're getting the effects of World War III, and you're watching it at the pump, and wait until this inflation starts really kicking in. I think it's going to get a hell of a lot worse, and that's a direct result of a lot of decisions made way back when that were not in the best interest of our country, but benefited the people that were in power. And I, that just pisses me off, and I had to say that part before we continue on. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm done. All right. <clears throat> um, Will, if you would just go back and rack and stack – S300, uh, Javelin, Stinger is one line, right? Um, Counter-battery radar, drones, and MIGs. Would you would you rack and stack, and then Jeff and Tim, you guys can do it too? Yeah, just before that, though, the one thing that broke squelch for me this weekend is uh, Zelensky has basically outlawed all other political parties. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. That's right. Declared martial law. And trying to read into them, some of these political parties are are based on the Russian-speaking minority, um, but you know that's a very that's a very third-world thing to do. Of what uh, Zelensky is one Russian-speaking minority. He is, but he's yeah. but these right, are the right. you know separatist-type parties. He's, sure, he's outlawed. I think eleven opposition parties. So. Um, you know, there we are. So now we are officially supporting the guy who has outlawed freedom of speech, freedom of association, uh, et cetera. But Anyways. and his counter argument would be they are not that right. That they are mouthpieces for Vladimir Putin. So, right. That's his, yeah, but, that's his argument. You know, in the U.S., right. we never outlawed the Communist Party. Right? Yeah, yeah, that we is, never that outlawed is, that the Green is, Party. That isn't the U.S., though. I'm not sure. But uh, that's a third—that's a third-world country. Yeah, even though it is didn't. a third-world country. And when when you said a few minutes ago, that's not what we thought Ukraine was. I'm thinking, well, I always thought that Ukraine is a yeah, third-world country. You're smarter than Georgia. Georgia. You're smarter than the rest of us. Georgia is a third-world country. Belarus is a third-world country. Most of Russia is a third-world country. Most of China is a third world country, you know. See, I'm, gl right. I'm glad everybody's hearing that from Will. Right. Anyways, uh, it's true. I think if I was to review the rack and stack from Friday, I said uh, the the best systems for them to have would be the individual anti armor, anti air system. So we're talking Stinger Javelin, because. An integrated air defense system, they may not be able to be sophisticated enough to keep up the logistics of that. So that would probably rank third. Uh, my last choice would be the MiGs, and mostly because I don't think that they can support them. Um, you know, that kind of fighter airplane takes, what, is it 30 or 40 to 1 hours of maintenance for every hour of flying time, sophisticated uh, hangar systems, right. you know, to keep it going, plus the munitions, plus the pilot training and everything else. Plus the spare, in between the, plus the spare, spare parts, parts of your unique variant of it that you tweaked out yeah. because of the way you did it. Right. Right. So which one did I forget? Uh, counter-battery radar. Thoughts on that? Oh, uh, yeah, counter-battery radar. Again, I think I would put that if you have something that you could attach to it as a shooter, so an integrated system. Right. You know, though that would be third integrated air defense, fourth, and only because I doubt your ability to sustain it. So individual anti-armor, anti-air systems 
more than two. Got it. All right. Um, all right. Here's the list. Uh, Jeffrey, um, S300, Javelin Stinger is one line. Okay. American, you know, munitions, uh, weapons, uh, counter battery radar, drones. You didn't put drones in your list, Will, so you have to. And then MIGs. So Jeff, r- rack and stack those vertically. But oh, you want to let Will uh, say where he put drones? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh. I- yeah. I, uh, in, you know, what is the drone? Is a drone a shooter or an intel gatherer? It's a shooter. I think it's even, a shooter. If it's a shooter, I think it's really high. Yeah. What does really high uh, mean? Is it, one, is it above Stinger Javelin or below? Uh, just below. Okay. Got it. All right. All right, Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. First of all, I wouldn't say Stinger Javelin. I'd say Stinger Integrated Air Defense Drone. That's, that's their version of the North Vietnamese... Uh, air defense that they used against us so effectively between 1963, you know, and 1975. And so, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, number one is what? There ain't no number one. It's an integrated. It's an integrated defense. They, they. I'd say if you had to just go down to, in other words, what would you have if you didn't have everything else? I'd say no, 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 no. I'm giving, I'm giving you a list to st- because it doesn't work that way. You should know that. You can't you change the whole yet. list though, because then we can't compare it. Well, yeah, I can change it because it doesn't make sense to put anti-tank in with anti-air. The air is integrated. You're, you're, you know, you're, you, you acquire. You can integrate it when you get it. We're talking about this is a line from the United States, and it's there. It's American munitions. And that's what the line is. It's not right, what Mac, you do. Mac, it. you can take the boy out of the magcast, but you can't know, take the magcast out of the I know, boy. I know, I know. It ain't gonna happen. I'm just trying to work well, through. I'm just trying to work through the problem. I apologize for my my magtaffering. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> okay. We accept it. But uh, it was banged into me. What can I say? But anyway, uh, okay, then fine. I go number one with uh, with uh, the uh, javelin uh, stinger thing. Number one. Okay. Number two, that dr- the drone. Okay. Drone thing, uh, and again, the drone is not just an attack thing; it's both. Basically, okay. got it. We're, what we're seeing is the dawn of the uh, obsolescence of a human pilot being in an aircraft. Right, right. Doesn't it's not necessary anymore. Right. And uh, and then the other the, the other stuff the integ- the uh, um, counter battery radar S three hundred and the counter battery radar and the MIGs. Yeah, yeah, the uh, MIGs would be last for me, okay. and for those reasons you said. It's just, uh, as it is right now, they still control their own airspace, the Ukrainians do, which is shocking to me that, uh, you know, based on what we know about what's been advertised about the Russians. We've been down this road before, overestimating the Russians and their stuff. The first time it became clear that they weren't all that was, uh, you know, in 1991 when we did Desert Storm and basically defeated all their technology, all their armor, all that stuff, easily. And uh, so I would say th- that would be the let's go first with the man pads, both uh, anti-tank and anti-air, then the drones, both for their surveillance and, uh, and reconnaissance and lethality effects. Okay. And then the uh, counter-battery radar, radar and the S-300. Uh, Got it. All right, Timmy? I can make an argument for the MiGs only because Putin seems to be most upset about the MiGs. If, if the Ukraines had the capability of putting together, A, 
integrated air defense area. Why not get the MIGs and put them out on a runway and use them like the like the the Cactus Air Force at Guadalcanal? And the Russians just keep on coming after them and you just keep on hammering their ass. That would be the only use of those MIGs for all the reasons that you guys just said. But I would go I would go shooter drones number one. Um, so switchblades for sure, because they seem to be very uh, uh, not too tech intensive. Um, I, I, I would go drones, anti-armor, uh, anti-air man pads, uh, the integrated, the S-300 integrated air defense. I guess that would be nice. It's a Soviet design. They may know how to integrate it better, but that, I, you know, that and a counter-battery radar, uh, the counter-battery radar is useless unless you're tied directly into a shooter and, and you're taking that data and instantly servicing the targets. That's without without that component, then what the hell good is it? I don't think that, you know, six rusty old D-300s or uh, D-30s, excuse me, I, I don't I don't think that's exactly responsive artillery. You know, that's 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 what they have to work with. I'd go with the drones and the man pads. The, um, you know, I, when we were talking last week, Mac, I mean, the point was, I think that the biggest threat right now is Russian artillery. It's not Russian aviation. Right. Right. Uh, and the Russians seem to be in that lull trying to bring artillery up. And when you read the BBC, which I think is credible, mostly because they tell you in the articles, we're not really sure about all this. So they, they tell you their level of confidence. They say the Russians are trying to take certain suburbs, the offensive stall. They're trying to get suburbs so they can bring their artillery up. Um, and so the idea that the Ukrainians still have use of their own airspace, I have a feeling it's because the Russians aren't trying to dominate it. Um, and so why? Because they can't or I don't know. Right. I haven't thought too much about it. And, you know, to just to, to gently counter my good colleague's argument about, you know, the U.S. and Vietnam analogy here is that is that our overwhelming strength in that we thought was our aviation. I don't think that the Russians think that way about this fight. And so the North Vietnamese pouring resources into that made complete sense to them well, at that time. I think this is, I think it's different, but it also might be because the Ukrainians have shown good air defense and Russians have tried to go a different way. I don't know. Sure. And plus the point I was making about that was the North Vietnamese uh, fixed wing MIG population was small, but they use it effectively because they was highly integrated with the uh, you know the anti air and the, the radar that they had and stuff. They made the best use of small uh, you know small resources. So I can see that uh, where the Russians they they're not going to use air the way you used it, but they haven't shown even you know the. Uh, the ability to dominate the airspace. And you'd say, well, they don't want to. But then Timmy's point was uh, Putin's most upset about the idea of MiGs coming up against them. So you put it together, and because we never know, because everybody lies, of course. Right. But, uh, but the, 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 what it looks like is the Russians weak, have a weakness in their, in their uh, air power. <laughs> and again, I think Putin's reaction is simply, you know, that's a target of opportunity that people you know, lay up for him. And, and and again, the reason why I wanted to do this was, I mean, last week it was the MIGs, 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 the MIGs. And so then as you sit down and and, and as a weaponeer, you say, okay, if, if I'm weaponeering this thing, like, what do I want? And like the MIGs are, I mean, come on. I mean, that's not, 
Um, again, uh, let me just give you a, a, a flight of F-18s, Harriers checking on station in Afghanistan. Inchon Air, this is Viper 2-1, uh, a, flight, a flight of two F- F-18s hanging whatever they're hanging in terms of ordnance. We've got 25 minutes of fuel. We've got 20 minutes to tank, 25 more minutes, and then we're bingo. We're out. How copy over. Roger. Okay, so you get 50 minutes of them. You get a fucking drone up, and you get 12 hours of coverage from a shooter from a shooter with a camera, right? And 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 so as Jeff said, I mean, I would I would I would I would bust balls on both of our air officers, both F-18 guys. Your shit is over, man. Because we don't need you anymore. You're not the most effective thing here. I mean, it's great on occasion to be talking to somebody, but you know what? We have analysts that can approximate what you would see from the cockpit, you know, from a camera in in Nevada. You know, and so yeah. the juice is not worth the squeeze. And we destroyed our entire F eighteen fleet by by putting them up on shit that drones could do. So my the purpose of doing this was to point out to people that, and and again, I'll just give you. Uh, because I wrote down what everybody said, right? Stinger Javelin drone, right? Unanimous across the board, one and two, right? Yeah. Three and four, unanimous. S300 and counter battery. For me, counter battery is, is, is I, I think, because as Will said, Artie is, is, is important. But again, I would assume you light off a, a radar, right? That's detectable, and it will be. Right, you're gonna get that whatever that wherever that thing is is gonna get blanketed in short order, so I think that's problematic when you fight the Russians because of the way they fight. So I think the counter battery thing would be as much as I would like to have it, unless it's some kind of passive measure, which they're they are not. Um, it's not gonna be around very long. So I would rank that below the S300, and then with the MIG, unanimous by un. By unanimous consent, last on that list, and I was just, so I just wanted to add some clarity to this discussion about the MIGs, the MIGs, the MIGs, the MIGs, the MIGs, the MIGs, and I again, um, I'd be curious. Um, the whole idea that he's got nuclear weapons and he might use them, some people simply fairy dust or airbrush out of the discussion, and I I, I don't think you can do that, as Will said last week. If you do that, you're a fucking idiot, and so I think you have to. I think you have to account for that and to say the MIG, and this is what I would say: the MIG gives him an offense, offers an offensive capability to attack Russia. Everything else is defensive in nature, right? And so, to me, you stay away from that red line, and you give them the weapons that they need right fucking now. Because the Russian problem is a hard problem right now. Long lines of communications, casualties that we aren't exactly sure. But if you look at the map, it ain't moving so much except in southeastern Ukraine where they seem to be making some progress. Everybody else seems to be fought to a, a bit of a stalemate. And so if you, if you could take those general pieces... Give me what I can use. Give me a shit ton of it, and let me continue to lay the wood to these motherfuckers while they can't move off road. 
Hey, hey, man, where the hell's Rudy in our in our air section? I'd like to hear what those guys think about Russia's air performance. Are you gonna you been tracking them down at all? Um, I would categorize it as a general reluctance to come on. Oh, all right, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's because they don't have the courage of their convictions to sit here and talk about shit they know nothing about and sound authoritative. <laughs> that's not easy to do. You know? yeah, we well, should. you know, I would yeah. refer him to you as a podcast expert. <laughs> so you could coach him up a little bit, Timmy. No, I'd like to talk about the nuclear deterrence thing only in that it seems to me it's like, oh, now you want to start talking about that. What? Maybe we should have been thinking about that back when we were like in the 90s when we were. I, I, I think it's interesting that now that comes up in the military context when it should have been at the forefront of our strategic thinking all along and obviously hasn't been. But but now but now we're going to worry about it when we're in a shooting war with Russia. That's not a good place to be. Not a good place to be. Look at that. You see, stunned silence. I know. <laughs> I know. I know how you feel. But what are you going to do? But I don't. I don't think. I don't know if you want to talk about about this escalation ladder today. I mean, we can put that off to. I haven't. Another day. I haven't. Lo I haven't looked at it yet. So I would be. Not yeah, that, yeah, Not, you, hey, I not think that I'm ever think shy about speaking out of my ass. Okay, but I would be speaking out of my like. No, that, that Harold Kahn guy by is my stomach into for a couple hours. Right. It'd be, yeah. I'm like, it. It wouldn't even be my ass. It'd be my stomach. It'd be higher in my in yeah. in, in my digestive system. Um, yeah, because because if you understood that, like a no-fly zone right now would be going back down the escalation ladder, and that's not what you want to do because that is not providing deterrence. The goal is deterrence. You need to be getting escalation dominance, not going back down the ladder. I, and that's just an interesting yeah, the thought. The difference being, though, Tim, is that we're not fighting. Oh no no! I'm, I understand. Yeah, that, all that. that's my question. No, like, I've not read it. Like, be... why are we even in the escalation ladder? We're we're now right. exactly. Yeah, we need to be. We need to do as little as possible. To, uh, I don't see any kind of dog in this fight for United I, States. I'm I'm in complete agreement. But boys, we're already in the fight. You've no, already, not in this. You've, you've already got our weapons going there. We're already getting the economic ramifications of World War Three. And, and it's going to be painful. Oh, well, you, no, no, I disagree. We're not in that I fight. disagree. And here's I don't the thing. think we've crossed the Rubicon yet. I think that there's a war going on between Ukraine and Russia, but all this bullshit about us suffering from... We were going down the, the primrose path of huge inflation and high gas prices well before this thing kicked oh, off. No, as a matter, no, no of, fact, as a matter of fact, what it's being used as outside of the actual battle area is... Uh, is a way to mitigate your own screw ups, at least in the United States uh, point. You know, so it's, to me, it's a huge uh, fakery. Usually, the Democratic Party would not give two wet shits about what's going on over there. They all there, and they still don't. This is all a narrative that's being pushed to get attention away from the jerk off mistakes they've made in the last few years that are going to probably cost them the midterms and ultimately. The presidential election in 2024. And that's I, I, I disagree. About. I don't think this is a wag the dog event. I mean, well, it's, it's actually not happening. from the Ukrainians. Right. Yeah. No, well, it's happened over there, but it has nothing to do with us. I mean, it has nothing to do with uh, Putin's not the reason our gas prices are going up. That's our a gas fact. prices that's are going fact. up before. That's a fact. You know, that's There's no really question. No, no, no. Nobody yeah. disagrees with that. Nobody yeah, disagrees yeah. with that. 
I'm, I'm talking more along the fertilizer, the other people's in, impacted. We'll have to see how this comes out. Maybe the international international logistic trains can unscrew themselves. You know, it's a market incentives are there for them to do it. But uh, I, I just Let me, hold on. Let me I, I want to ask you a question um, because um, his friend Ken Kirkaby sent it, uh, an email to The Wall Street Journal, um, a letter to the, the Wall Street Journal. Um, talking about Nixon supporting Israel in 1973. And so, Jeff, I want to give you a chance to comment on that. Will and I don't think that it's a light comparison. If I can, is that correct, Will? That is correct. Thank you. The... um, So I give you a chance, both you guys, a chance to comment. Do you believe that, that Kirk's um example is is illustrative of the current situation well i'll just go through it by the numbers all right so in 1973 the egyptians strongly supported by the soviet union and the syrians attacked israel in yom kapir conference october and they made huge gains that they had never made in the previous four wars against the israelis to the point where Israel's having casualties they had never had, and they were threatened. And so he said, there's no way we're going to let Israel be defeated by these people. We're going to send them every goddamn thing we can. And they did. Now, he was being, he was being advised by his military genius, the, uh, you know, the precursors of the Millie and uh, you know, uh, Austin people we got now saying, you know, you'll, don't, you'll, you'll, you'll provoke the Russians, the same bullshit you, know, you hear about the— and so he said, no, I'm going to send them stuff. I'm not going to send them people. So we never were engaged in any kind of kinetic or even close to it. You know, but we did rush them. Aid. I have to tell you, I don't, people I don't think know this, but during the 1967 Six-Day War, the main Israeli battle tank was the Super Sherman because that's all the shit we would give them. We were giving them Sherman tanks. But they were you know, uh, enhancing as much as they could. They got patent tanks. 1973 rushed there as well as the the uh, aircraft as well as the air defenses and so forth and uh that and so what kirk is saying is we 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 decide we want to help ukraine we should send them everything we can send them you know practically and so that it, it's similar to that now it's it, dissimilar because we don't have the same relationship with the kleptocracy known as ukraine that we had with israel and it's uh not as uh, you know uh we're not as polarized where then the Soviet Union was head of the uh, pretty much, you know, the communist threat, and no one, and the Soviet Union appeared to be much more uh, capable than they actually turned out to be, but we didn't know that then. So, but and now though we kind of do. So he doesn't see the downside of rushing a lot of aid over there. He never says we should establish a no-fly zone. You know, he doesn't say that. He says we should just. Let's pull out the stops and send the aid like Nixon did. Even though, you know, Nixon, for all his faults, supposedly, I don't think he, he really was that bad, particularly compared to Johnson and, and especially compared to, to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, but he certainly had a lot more grit than those guys. So, And this is while he's under the gun for Watergate. Uh, so this is that's a remarkable act that he did. And that's what Kirk points out. Right. And I agree with them. Here's the other, but the, the, thing, the, the thing I think is most is this is an existential event for Putin. 
And I think that's the greatest well, dis- dissimilar- dissimilarity in it. I mean, that was a, an event being fought far from from the Soviet Union, far from the United States. It, and, but this is not. This is an existential. Believe, this is. Right. I believe that that the 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 difference is right when you tilt it. If, if then let's just use the MIGs, right? MIGs offensive capability. You gave them them. If if this thing tilts in in their favor, I'm I'm a dead man. Okay, so fuck mm-hmm. it. Here you go. Oh, so but he did. Yeah, but it was his choice to to initiate this thing. No, no, no. I agree, but I think that's yeah. I think that's the the great difference in that that to me is is the difference in it. This is on the border of the Rodina, right? And right. and so and, and and Egypt Israel was not, and I think that that's to me. What, oh what, man, I don't know. Israel's always, you know, not. It takes like it takes fourteen minutes to fly a propeller-driven plane from one end of Israel to the other. Oh, it definitely, you know, um, and they were no, more but different. The Russians were not engaged. Yeah, Kirkby yeah. never says it's exact. No, I, I agree, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying Kirkaby's an idiot because of this. I'm saying I just disagree well, he's that not these comparing, scenarios are like yeah, enough. No, he's, yeah, he's not comparing the Russians. The enemy there is the Egyptians and the Syrians. You know, that that's who, but the enemy here is the, is the actual Russian invasion. So, yeah, that's different. You know, the, the Russians aren't actually in, in you know, using their, their stuff. But uh, so it's a, it's a proxy war. But the uh, the uh, and that's what I think okay. is the, the 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 seminal difference in it I, I, yeah. is that Russia's in uh, uh, Putin's all in on this motherfucker because he has to be <laughs> yeah. right. Let me read you. Well, let me read you three quick bullets uh, that have just come out in the last ten minutes that I've seen, and then we'll talk about the next. What's the next thing? And I won't even say twenty four hours, but what's the next thing you're you're looking at? Um, let's see. Russia is increasingly relying on unclassified communications. Uh, in Ukraine due to issues with established communication links that according all, that these are all according to a senior U.S. defense official. And this is by that guy, Jack Desch, who's done pretty, I think, pretty good reporting so far. U.S. assesses that Russia has not achieved its objectives in capturing major population centers in Ukraine and is using long-range fires against civilians to turn the tide, right? Um, U.S. assesses that Ber- Berdansk, Melitopol and Kyrgyzstan are captured by the Russians. And the third one is Russia is shelling Ukraine's cities in a near desperate attempt to turn the war in their favor and gain leverage at the bargaining table. And that according to senior U.S. defense officials this morning. So so um, what's the thing that you're focused on now? And I won't put a 24-hour limit because, again, trying to do this thing in Real time is problematic because the reporting is. Um, it, the only thing you'd follow is general trends. So, Timmy, in the next, what's the next thing that you have your eye on? Uh, in the Ukraine, it it would seem to me that eventually we got to start seeing retrograde. You mentioned that last week yourself, uh, as, as I remember. So that would be in, in uh, ultimately seeing that the Russians have realized that they have got to contract themselves. Because this whole surrounding Kiev is surrounded, so what? We've, we've talked about that at length. Outside of the country, what I'm interested to see 
is uh, if Saudi Arabia and China are going to start dealing oil with the yuan and started uh, instead of the dollar. There's a lot of shit going on that doesn't make any sense to include this resurfacing of the Iran deal that uh, Obama had pushed, that Biden for some reason seems hell bent on, which gives Putin about $10 billion apparently. That, that's I want to see what happens with this Iran U.S.-Iran deal, which I don't even begin to understand why we're even dicking around with it. And at the same time, as a direct result of that bullshit, see if Saudi Arabia and China actually start buying oil from each other without using the U.S. dollar as the reference currency. That's a big fucking deal. And uh, that's that's what I'm waiting to see happen. Four other pieces of news. Um, The first use of a hypersonic missile, supposedly, right? And again... Uh, I think the, 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 the DOD verified that it actually happened. Uh, Putin arrested one of his intelligence chiefs in another move. Another report, additional Russian forces have been ordered to Ukraine from the interior of Russia. And then Saudi Arabia moves away from the United States. Indicative of that uh, is there uh, not only, but one of the things that, that uh, indicates that is... Uh, is the use of Chinese currency vice the dollar relative to oil uh, exchange with uh, China, and um, and then again, what's his name, the the son of uh, refusing to take Biden's call, uh, what two weeks ago? So mm-hmm. those are, those are four other additional. Will, what say ye? What what's the next thing on your list that you're looking at? Yeah, I think Jeff had it right earlier in that, you know, there. this is Korea in 1952, 1953. They're, they're, the end game is, is in sight. How do we get the best deal out of the end game? If Zelensky knows, so how does Zelensky win, right? Does he kick all the Russians out back to the status quo antebellum? Well, he can't do it. Right? The Russians have to choose to do that. So he's looking for the best deal, and he's looking part of that best deal for him is blackmailing the West. Um, uh, we may see the beginning of World War III here. You know, if it's true that 10 million Ukrainians are on the move, that's one quarter of the population. So he's looking for the best deal. Putin's looking for the best deal. What are his warnings? He's probably not going to get them to get a puppet regime there, but it seems like they're going to completely link up the eastern part of the country, prevent Ukraine from being able to touch the Black Sea. Um, yeah, so we're we're somewhere around there. I just checked the weather in Kiev. So instead of being you know, lows in the 20s, highs in the high 30s. Now the lows are right about 32 and the highs are in the 50s. So spring may have sprung there. I don't know if that means it's going to dry up and uh, facilitate greater movement. But yeah, I think we're no, in, staggering in, in farm towards... Country, right? In farm country, that'll last the better part of... Uh, they won't get in the field until uh, May. Simply yeah. can't. The ground won't support it. My experience in, yes. in North Dakota. Yeah, so so on the specific Ukraine thing, I think that's it. We're staggering towards some sort of conclusion. And then 
You know, the other thing that just interests me is how stupid are we willing to be in regards to uh, petroleum versus, you know, unicorns and rainbows and fucking green energy. So, and it appears a whole lot of us are willing to be really stupid about it. And, uh, you know, if, if there, there are just a lot of signs of recession and recession doesn't, I don't know if it doesn't scare people or I, I just don't know, but the economy rolls over and, uh, it's just bad. It's bad for a lot of people, bad for retirees in particular, bad for people on the margin, bad for blue collar people. Uh, and how much are, are, is that coming? And then what excuses are going to come up for it? So the smart money appears to be 50, 50 on recession coming at the end of the year. Um, so those two things are what I spend my time on. Got it. Uh, and I would just say to Jeff, if I was you, I would retire. Right? No matter what Tim says, it's a good life. I'm sure. I like, my life's pretty good now, but I, it would be even better if I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, you look, you look like you've been in federal prison, dude. All you got time to do is like lift weights and shit. It's awesome. I, that's, that's what I say. <laughs> I got to yeah. tell people, I'm, I've not been in federal prison. I just look like this because I'm retired. You know, I'm, you, I'm regressed to like, I got to buy a new pair of Hoka's, those those extra cushion running shoes. Well, they're not, you know, they're walking. I guess running shoes is a stretch, but uh, I was like in heaven just from having comfortable shoes, you know, thinking where? That's a pretty like, popular. That's a pretty popular shoe, uh, regardless of, of your age. Dave Dave Furness told me about those. He, goes, he hey, told you me try. about them. Yeah. He told me about them back yeah. like I don't know seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But you know, I have to tell you, I'm gonna get a mountain bike, and that's my next. You know, I'm like regressing back to you know, <laughs> eleven years old. A mountain bike, and I refuse to wear those stupid bike helmets. Yeah. So I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a baseball. Helmet that the batters wear, where the one that one ear has the uh, plastic. Open. No, that'll look just as stupid. Do not wear a helmet. If if you die no. riding a if bike, you're mount, if you if die you're riding a bike, bike, we will respect that as a man. If you're going to mount a bike on trails around Las Vegas without a helmet, you are fucking insane, bro. Because I've done, I've this, done we, some this, this we know, but it's such a bad look. Like any kid riding down the street with a helmet. Come on, man. I'll talk about There's mountain that, bike riding. Not I don't have bike. too many options for a good look anymore, no matter what. I mean, so, <laughs> so, I, but I'll, I'll take your advice. And I'm not using, I'm in San Clemente most of the time. So I go to my favorite bar and I don't like to drive. So I'll pedal my fat ass up there. You're going to ride and, your uh, mountain bike to the bar? We did, that's not what, it, though, you don't need a helmet for that. Well, you might need a helmet for that, for the trip, uh, home, for the trip home. I thought I'd get myself one of those leather helmets that football players used to use before plastic, you know, like Bronco Nagurski had and everything. Nah. I and put a Marine Corps emblem on it. I look pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> and uh, you know, you would be well, anyway. you would be well known in the community, at least in the neighborhoods that that are between you and you and the red you and the red fox. And I'd have on that helmet, it would say Joe Rutledge, and everybody would believe that it was Joe. So, no, they would know. They would know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what's the next thing you're looking for, Jeff? Um, in this whole I'm, thing, I'm pretty, yeah, I, I'm pretty much at will on this. I think we're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna jockey for position there. 
But, you know, Will was saying they're almost out of Schlitz manpower-wise. And, and that makes sense to me because they're starting to dig in in a little crust of, ter- you know, territory that they've gained since this thing. And so if that's the case, that's what I see. I see yeah, but uh, don't you think, I mean, digging in, if you're the Russians digging in, Man, all yeah. you're doing is digging your grave because with the drones and 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 the javelins, I mean, if they target you, you're fucking dead. Yeah, I, that, that's to me. I but that's what they're doing. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, that's what I, I that's what I find. To me, this thing is going to tilt in the direction of Ukrainian um, in the next few weeks. Mac, they have what what offensive capability do they have? I, but again. All they're going to do is continue to kill Russians at greater numbers, right? In in fixed positions. Again, the the Russians are in fixed positions shooting at artillery at you, and you've got drones and javelins and you're shooting at them. Right. The casualty ratio is going to be five Ukrainians to one Russian, 10 Ukrainians. Those Ukrainians might be civilians, but the Russians don't give a fuck. I don't see how Zelensky can kick the Russians out. And so, again, I think, I think they're staggering. Ki- I think he kills them out. I don't know that they've got enough munitions. All right. Well, that's what I'm interested. That's what I'm interested. Yeah. In. Don't shit on my interest. Don't in- hey, don't, your interest. don't interest shit. Me. That, I thought that was my role. <laughs> do not oh, interest. Do not interest shame me. I will not have that. I okay. thought that that was my role. <laughs> that is not your role. Just your so role changes. <laughs> Just so changes you know, that the women that is not that is not your role. That is not your role. All right, boys. First of all, uh, thank you for doing this. I, I appreciate. It. And again, uh, one thing I again I, to lend clarity to the whole. I, I got a few emails about it, but I just wanted to have a broader discussion with you know Jeff and, and Timmy involved in it. Um, to, uh, to c- again, you see this thing, the MIG, the MIG, the MIG, the MIG, and yes, then you sit yeah. down and you weaponeer the problem and you say, fuck the MIG, man. That's like last on the list of shit that I could really fucking use, right? And so get what, get the things they can, drone, stinger, javelin, get those fucking things there as much as you can and let them fight it out. That's, I mean, to me, that's a good, that's a good code. So anyway. You know, you, I mean, one of you guys sent something out uh, that was pretty good. Where, it's, uh, well, I think it was the article that we got indirectly from, uh, from, um, oh, that thing you sent out, Mac, where they're talking about that that the a lot of time the javelins were ineffective because they didn't have batteries, and uh, <laughs> but they're but they're using the they're using a shitload of AT uh, four and those M laws. Yeah, that, 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 the, Br- that the Brits sent, right? That that was the right. number one killer that the Ukrainians were using. Was that, is it right. the M-Law or the yeah. N-Law? Yeah, M-Law, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, uh, so I don't know if that was, like, that's last week's news. No, I think it is. And if they if they get the batteries for the jabs, the jabs are, you don't have to get right, you don't have to do the Saving Private Ryan in the little town. Yeah, you know? fuck, fuck <laughs> you know? that. Yeah, hey, if you hey, if anybody wants to, if you want to watch something truly fucking depressing, watch sit the that scene from Saving Private Ryan. Fuck, yeah, it's fucking this, gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, boys, have a great day. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, you too, man. Right. Yeah, see you guys. Bye, guys. Yep.
That'll do it on a Monday. My thanks to uh, Will, Tim, and Jeff. As always, I mean, they're exceedingly gracious for their time and uh, and doing this. And so again, open source ops Intel. The biggest uh, fight is for The biggest fight is for just trying to get information that you can comment on in what you would say is a uh, responsible way. And um, so anyway, but we endeavored to do our best to explain. And hopefully, to that end, today helped a little bit. So, uh, on that note, I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio. Thank you very much for listening. On behalf of my friends, uh, have a great day. And for those of you that know people that are struggling with life post-trauma, don't be afraid to reach out. I'd be more than happy to help. And so, if I can do that in any way, shape, or form, please don't hesitate. On that note, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm out.